You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. If you're a, a numbers person, particularly statistics, there's roughly 3,100 people in the Fargo-Moorhead MSA that live below the poverty line, 3,100. And it's probably more than that. Roughly 12.4% of all Americans live below the poverty line. Many of them are individuals that live with generational poverty, which creates trauma that is hard to describe unless you've lived it. And trauma is a word that sometimes startles people, but it's important to understand that trauma has a way, if it isn't dealt with, of taking wonderful people that become desperate and they can in turn do desperate things. That can happen to wonderful people. And generational poverty is one of those things that, if it isn't addressed, can cause significant generational trauma. And there's an organization in Fargo-Moore that's doing an incredible job of addressing that, particularly as it comes to young, innocent people that they're living this life that no fault of their own. So it gives me great pleasure this morning to welcome Bethany Wall to Mike Seminary and Friends. Bethany, it's great to see you. How are you this morning? Doing great. The sun is shining. Um, how are you doing today, Mike? I'm great. Thank you. You know, past the holidays, um, and that's always a good thing. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah, because it, it, there's not as quite, quite as much pressure now. There's not quite as much tension. Um, and so it's it's always nice getting past that wonderful time of year. Bethany, you're, you're the executive director of an organization that's doing incredible things. And I want to read something from your website to help tee up our conversation. And thanks again for taking time to join me. How do you break the cycle of generational poverty? It takes a courageous and proven model. Now, before I ask you my first question, I think it's safe to say that if for a lot of people, me included at one time, I had no idea about the trauma caused by generational poverty until someone brought it to my attention that lived it and has struggled mightily to break from that experience. And it was a very emotional conversation, by the way. So th this is a big deal. It's really, really important. And your organization is doing an incredible job addressing it. My first question is, before we start talking in great detail about Friends of the Children, Fargo-Moorhead, you had a very successful career in the, the financial industry. We'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Very successful. What drew you to 
this incredibly important organization and the work that it does. Well, um, I heard about this organization, obviously, when I had my other career. And um, the first time I heard about it, I just, I fell in love. It's like, how do I get involved? Um, I was, I heard the whole model and what they're doing in the community. And I just, I found myself just crying because I'm like, this is so amazing. And um, shortly thereafter, I was invited to be a part of their board. And so um, thankfully the place I worked um, valued community service and doing things to help uh, rise, raise the community, the uh, community's needs. And so I joined the board and really saw the organization um, as best I could from um, just a just a regular person. And um, and then once the the opportunity came along to um, become the executive director, I applied. I was like, it would be silly for me not to. Um, I was really looking for something that would really fill my heart and fulfill my soul. And um, this was it. This was it for me. I have to have a follow-up question. You had a successful career, and I'm going to assume, and that's always a dangerous thing to do, that you probably didn't have a lot of experience in deep poverty or generational poverty. Like a lot of us, you probably observed there are people in the community that have needs greater than mine but you what was the depth of knowledge that you had regarding generational poverty before this was brought to your attention sure so i honestly i had no idea what was happening in the walls of our community and that was something that really struck me personally was this is happening in our backyard and we are a close knit community, but to hear that there are children experiencing things like homelessness or food insecurity, um, those are never things that I myself had to experience. You know, I, I grew up, my, my family were, you know, their background was farming and then um, my dad was a mechanic. And so we were a very blue collar family, didn't have a lot of money, but we always had food on the table. We always had a roof over our heads. We always had basic needs met. So for me to even think about a sweet, innocent child having to go through something like that, it was it was a very powerful moment to know and understand how how great that need is in Fargo Moorhead. The, the the website, and I just read it, it takes a courageous proven model. Walk us through the um, kind of the roots of the organization. And then how the model was established, because it wasn't started here in Fargo-Moorhead. I think mm -hmm. you're in your fourth or fifth year here, maybe yeah, maybe fifth year, I think. I'm not sure. Yep, you're right. Um, wh where it started and how they went about this uh, proving mm -hmm. by example, this incredible model. And then we'll walk through how some of that works with regards to identifying young kids that can be part of the system and then the mentors that are really full-time friends as you call them we'll walk through that too but how did it get established and where so we have been around nationally on a national level for 30 years um, our first chapter was in portland oregon and our founder his name is duncan campbell and he experienced a very difficult childhood where um you know the 
He was the product of parents with alcoholism and poverty. And so he he really was that one percent of people who took his experiences and and rose. And he he became an attorney and um, wanted to start a nonprofit that could have provided him the continuity and consistency he so desperately craved as a child. Um, and so he came up with this, this concept and this model. And we are a proven model. So when we say that, um, we have been through several studies and um, children in our program have been followed from kindergarten all the way through to high school graduation. And then there's children that didn't have a friend or didn't have a professional mentor that are also followed. And so you can see the differences of the impact of juvenile justice system, teen parenting, um, graduating from high school or getting a career or joining the military. You can see the vast differences between our program, what it does for a child, and then the other side, what if they don't have that constant person in their life. So it started over 30 years ago in Portland, a fellow by the name of Duncan Campbell, who became an attorney. Uh, and then it's been in the Fargo-Moorhead footprint for about five years. Yep. The, the kids that are identified and part of the current Friends of the Children Fargo-Moorhead, how, how many are there? What's the waiting list like? And what's the process for identifying here's a, here's a perfect candidate to be uh, a youngster in our program? I say it that way because they're identified really young and you stay with them all the way through high school. If, and if I'm saying things incorrectly, please correct me. How no, are they identified? Spot on. So we enroll between the ages of four to six. Um, you know, we really parallel this um, very closely with the, you know, public education or, or private education. Um, you couldn't put a child into third grade and expect they're going to have the same kind of results as if you start them at that, those foundational years. So while there's a great need for other children who are older than four to six, there's still a great need of children that are between those ages of four to six. So we enroll them. Our primary referral partners are the public schools. So we... A lot of the times it's the, t the teachers that are identifying the kids that we're working with. Um, we also work very closely with Cass and Clay County Social Services um, and other wonderful nonprofits in the area. Um, for example, like Churches United for the Homeless and the Jeremiah program. A lot of times they're working with families and children with a very similar demographic to the kids that are great um, qualifiers for our program. And how many are in the, the program currently? We currently have 66 in our program. And there is, I mean, there's over 66 that are waiting for a friend. I believe our, our waiting list is around 70 children right now. And, you know, unfortunately, we won't be able to enroll all of those kids before they age out. I wish we could. Um, but there's just a matter of sustainability and making sure that we can serve the children in our program today. And if you go back to what I said in the very beginning, that, that number of roughly 3,100 people in the Fargo-Moorhead MSA live below the poverty line, one could, you know, I think conservatively 
guess that probably half of those are kiddos of one age or another. So the 66 in the system, another 66 waiting, there are probably another 66 that you're not even aware of or more. So the, need, the point is the need is great. Yes. How do you go about, and for, this, this program is so unique because you don't use volunteers. You identify qualified uh, people that have the skills required to be a mentor and as you call friend mm -hmm. for the long haul that entire period of time that that kiddo is going to need the, the mentor how how do you go about identifying them and then what's the process like for the training that they need to go through to be able to provide the service that the kids need so we have very highly qualified people that um, know and understand how to work with the circumstances we're working with. Um, you know, there's there's certain things that kind of come with the territory of being below the poverty line. Um, and there's just some very unfortunate circumstances where there's other generational challenges, other generational dysfunction, we'll call it, um, that many of these children, most of these children are, are working through. And so our, our kids, um, you know, we take, um, we take, we take different scores that um, determine what level of trauma or how many traumas that have been affected or they've been affected by. And, um, and they, there's a lot of challenges that come with that. So we need to make sure that the mentors we're hiring understand and know how to work with trauma. Now there's a, there's a, there's a definition of trauma information or trauma-informed care that we find very important. And it's really a, it's an evolutionary um, school of thought. And it's something that can grow over time. However, their baseline, when they start with us, we need to make sure that they're equipped to walk into circumstances that may be very difficult and challenging and making sure that they are in a place where they can walk away from a situation and know how to self-manage as well. Because, you know, there's been situations where we've had to drop off children in a state of homelessness and that state that sticks with the mentor. And so they need to know how to work with those and ask for help. And so we provide an environment where, you know, mental health is absolutely at the forefront and we want to make sure our staff is okay. But um, many have social work backgrounds, early education, um, and most have worked with children for several years and experienced things. But um, we go through a six-stage interview process to ensure that the candidate is the very best fit for our organization. You kind of alluded to this, so I'm, I'm going to maybe dig a little deeper. <clears throat> the... The odds of a number of the kids in the program where the only experience they have is generational poverty is probably pretty remote because there are other problems that are part of th that lifestyle, if you will. If, if So if you're if you have significant poverty, the 
there's an increased probability that a youngster has experienced something other than poverty. It might be violence. It might be um, some type of other abuse. It might be some form of addiction in the house, whether it's from a parent or somebody else. And the list, there's like a list of 10 of them. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but those have significant additional impacts to the generational poverty that already exists. So when you're finding, and I see you're nodding, so I must be kind of correct. So <laughs> when you're identifying um, the friends, the mentors, and they have a, a hopefully a, a significant background in that area, that they're all well aware, right, of the other challenges that might be in that kiddo's life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we go through a, a process with the kids on the, on the front end where we do meet with their caregivers. Um, we meet with the, the teachers. And so we have a pretty extensive background going into it. So we understand exactly what, 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 what we're looking at. Um, in most cases, we're really looking for the children that don't have that continuity. And, and we're also looking for foster care prevention. Um, that's really what we're, we're about is making sure that we're putting the right supports in place so the children we're working with don't end up in the system. So the, it, it's, is it, are you in your fifth year in Fargo-Moorhead, the organization? We, um, close. And so we started in um, August of 2019. So in August, it will be five years. So that means the the kids in the system, I hate using the word kids, but the youngsters, the kiddos, the young people in the system, if I do the math, they were four or five at the time. So they're like, you know, eight or nine now. So what kind of results, because it's still early. I mean, it's... it's the goal is from, you know, the age four all the way through high school. What are you seeing in terms of the kids that started almost five years ago, what they're experiencing, what the friends or mentors are saying about the program and um, the, 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 those kind of results? What are you seeing already? So we really celebrate the little wins, and then of course there is big wins sprinkled in as well. The the beautiful thing about our program is we have twelve years with these children, and so um, it's we often say this internally that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so there's going to be some tough days, but um, we're seeing a lot of success. And I would say something that's really measurable is the school success we're seeing. And so not only are we helping with, you know, social, emotional types of things with the children, we're also looking at school success. So while we're not teachers or educators, um, we work and walk alongside the educators as well to make sure our, our kids in the program are hitting their milestones they need to at school. Because one of our major outcomes we're looking for is that high school graduation. And they're not falling so far behind that once they get to high school, it's just not attainable anymore. So, um, you know, we regularly sit on things like IEP meetings with families and um, we're walking alongside the families to make sure that 
Our kids are reading on time. Our kids are getting the math scores they need to. They're staying ahead because oftentimes when it's chaotic at home, it can be a little bit of a struggle at school. So they're not getting that cup refiller at home. They're 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 a little stressed out. So um, so school can tend to struggle. And many kids that living below the poverty line do struggle with literacy and school success. So the current group of the, the first generation of mm -hmm. students that are in the program, there are now eight or nine. And the goal is to, you know, barring that they don't move, the goal mm -hmm. is to stay with them all the way through high school graduation. So that's a few years off. Do the mentors or friends sometimes also double as tutors? We kind of, I would say yes. Um, there are times, so we work two hours in school and two hours out of school. So that's our model, um, especially for the kids we're working with right now. The model changes just ever so slightly once they hit middle school. Um, we kind of get more into um, social emotional types of things while still following progress in in the school system but we we're, we're sitting in the classroom so we're making sure that you know everything is needed so they're staying on task and if there is some extra reading help we find really creative ways to make sure they're hitting those marks so whether that's you know playing a game or something we're helping to support and drive those things too Two hours in school, two hours out. Mm -hmm. So five days a week, the mentors slash friends mm -hmm. are in the classroom with yeah. the kids. Yeah, they are. Every day or just two hours so in the week? Each mentor has eight kids on their roster that they're working with and they serve. So each week... Um, each child in their roster gets four hours of service from us. Wow. And that's a huge commitment. So it's a huge commitment. Yes. It, it, it's it's critical, you know, it's critically important. Mm -hmm. uh, how how do you when you when you're issuing a call for prospective mentors and friends? How do you push that out? What's the response? And do you have enough of them now? We we don't have enough. <laughs> we are we're almost fully staffed. We are looking for two mentors right now. Um, one male, one female. We do gender match the the children. And so so we are looking for two of them. And we've had some amazing applicants. And our last round of applications, we received 20 and we interviewed several. However, we are very, very careful about um, who we are bringing into the organization because it has to be the right fit for the person and also the right fit for the, ch the children as well. So there's great responses, but we take our time to make sure it it's a good fit. It has to be a right fit for the organization and the mission, too. I mean, yes. Um, the wrong person could unintentionally cause brand damage that mm -hmm. could be significant. So we won't go into that. Um, 
Have you had the opportunity to meet with someone that's gone through friends in a different market from 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 age four all the way through high school? And, and so if it's a Portland, now, now that could be somebody that's, let's see, 30 years, well, that, that could be somebody that's in their 40s right now, That in terms of when the thing started. Have you had an opportunity to meet one of those great success stories that you use to market the importance of the program? No, I haven't had the opportunity to meet anybody in person. I have met Duncan Campbell in person and I've met our CEO as well. But um, there are several that, you know, offer their time, the graduates of the program to come and speak at events and, you know, different things like that, just to talk about the great success. I've read the stories, um, but that is a dream of mine to meet one of our graduates. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that old saying, I don't know if it was Einstein or whoever. Somebody said that if you keep doing the same thing the same way and expect different results, that's a definition of insanity. And <laughs> right. I'm paraphrasing it. But that's really applicable to mm -hmm. the mission of friends. I, I want to read the mission. And I think that I'm reading this correctly. Impacting generational change. I can't emphasize the en enough the importance of generational change by empowering youth who are facing the greatest obstacles through relationships with professional mentors. 12 years, 12 plus years, no matter what. That's a big mission. That's a big deal because that's life changing. It is. For generations. Yeah. So you, is it is it safe to say that in some ways you are and your your team and the entire organization are actually addressing generational poverty two generations at a time? You're you're dealing with the young four or five year old that you're going to be with all the way through high school, but also then a family member of some type anyway, some relationship in that household, that if they're there for the same length of time, they're clearly having, you know, positive impact influence from the work as well, right? Yeah, absolutely they are. Um, we have many success stories and we actually, we work in a two generational model. Um, we were one of the, the first sites to do that. And um, we are actually going through our own study right now. It's a um, randomized control trial where we are following families. And so we're seeing what kind of impact is being made with the caregivers as well, because we are we are here and we have a staff member that is specifically designated to help provide resources to the families because there's so many amazing organizations in Farmer-Moorhead that families can be connected to. But I mean, I don't even know all of the things that exist today, but I know there's so many great helps and supports that we can help limit that chaos from the family level, not just the youth, 
to um, get those basic needs met because there's a certain level of desperation when you know you do have food insecurity or you're worried about losing your housing and there's stops to that and there's ways that we can prevent those things from happening with the support of um, just connecting to resources so we are helping to do that as well Bethany, I'm curious about the full-time paid mentors. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know of every nonprofit organization. I'm not aware of, you know, all the wonderful people and groups that are addressing community needs, whether it's in Fargo-Mart or elsewhere. I'm not familiar with. And there could be, but I'm not familiar with an organization where the mentors or friends are full-time and paid professionals. Most of them are most of them are staffed wonderfully with volunteers. Is are there very many organizations like friends? Honestly, I don't know of any that are like friends. I I feel we kind of stand alone um, as it relates to paying our mentors. There's a lot of wonderful volunteer organizations that offer that. However, the the differences would be just the commitment and and the um, the fidelity to our model. So we have certain outcomes we need to achieve and we're tracking everything. So um, the outings and the things that the friends are doing and the friends, professional mentors, um, it's very intentional. So we set goals for the youth every single year and we check in on those goals quarterly. So making sure that, you know, depending every, every child is like their own perfect puzzle, right? So we're just making sure we're fitting all of the pieces in and it's completely customized to each child's needs. So um, our mentors are planning and making sure the things that they're doing with these kids are are very intentional and supporting the goals we have for that specific child. And the mentors are year-round. I mean, they're it's not just during the school year because we're going back to two hours in the classroom and then out. And right. each mentor has, I think you said, eight and mm-hmm. so that from it doesn't it is it, it it's 12 months of the year right yes what what is the schedule like when the school year is not in session ooh summer outings summer outings are fun um and the it gives the mentors a little bit more flexibility so and they can do it however they want. They have the autonomy um, to create their own schedule and they do it during the school year as well. So that is one of the really big benefits of being a mentor is you have that flexibility to plug and play wherever wherever you can. And um, it helps with you know your your personal life as well. But in the in the summer, you can do a four hour long outing with a child. And that allows to do some more of those fun things. So um, you know, we've had outings at Buffalo River State Park and different hiking experiences, kickball games, different things that take a little bit more time. Um, and it's just, it's more fun in the summer, I think, to be outside and um, enjoying that with the kids. So it's is it possible that someone could help this way? Let's say somebody didn't want to uh, be a, a mentor. 
but they care greatly about the mission. They care passionately about making a positive difference in the lives of young people because of how that improves not just their life, but the community. So I'm going to just throw this out for, for people that are listening that this might define you. Is this a possibility? Let's just say I had a lake home, reasonably close to Fargo-Moorhead. And it's 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 been known to be a great place for families to spend time together and do the things that people do at the lake. If I decided, you know, I want to reach out to friends and say, during the summer, if you are looking for a day trip for some of the kids, and you could you could put some of them together. It's not just one mentor and th their groups of kids. You could put a couple. We'd of probably them encourage that. <laughs> okay. You would. Yes. You you would entertain that that that's a possibility that that could happen, right? Absolutely. Any anything that the community can provide to us to um, to give these children the opportunity to do something different. Um, we are all ears for that. Absolutely. So then my next question is, because I I think we're gonna we're gonna find a way to make this work. So if I'm that person, clearly I should have some kind of a background check on me where I'm going to make my property and my lake home, all that stuff available to friends and, and the mentors and the kids. Would I go kind of through a similar background check, rightfully so, by the way, as one of the mentors? You know, I think that would depend. I mean, I think it would be a, a lesser background check because their mentor would be there. They're, they're ultimately the one responsible for the child. And in this situation, we would absolutely pair up two mentors and more than one children, more than one child, just to, um, just to have more people involved in there if we're taking them off site or somewhere further away. Um, but yeah, there would be, it, it would probably be a pretty simple process since we would have their, their friend with them. And if I could find someone that is, wants to do that, should I just have them call you? Yes, that would be great. Call me, email me. I'm all ears. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to make, make that work. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. Long-term nurturing relationships and dealing with young people of no fault of their own that are in different, difficult situations. And, and when you're in, when you're in a really challenging environment, sometimes it's really difficult to see a path forward for you. Um, and, and, and young kids do that. They're, they're wondering what, What's life all about? You don't have to be an adult to wonder. When you're right. a young kid and you are in an environment that isn't ideal, um, you're going to be asking yourself those those questions. Um, you said that there are another waiting list of 66. There are need for more mentors. How can people listening right now reach out and make a difference and contribute and help you? Yeah, there's there's so many ways. Um, we have some wonderful volunteer opportunities upcoming, um, one for Giving Hearts Day and um, throughout the year. Um, additionally, 
Um, we can't do this without the community's support from a financial perspective either. Um, we just launched a new program, new program called the 12 Plus Club. Um, so it's a really digestible way to make a difference in a child's life. Um, so it's a thousand dollar year commitment. And that breaks down to 83.33 every single month. And we're really looking to grow that, that sustainability um, so we can serve more kids um, each and every year. And so that's a really exciting way to, to get involved um, from that from, from a financial perspective. There's other ways. We have a partner for a youth program. And um just, I mean, I, we're we're always open for a phone call or for a meeting, and so if there's there's plenty of ways to to help us, and we'd love to um, talk to anybody who wants to ask questions. Did you say twelve plus club? Twelve plus club. Since we served the children for twelve years, yep. um, it was just a fun name to give that. Twelve years, and, twelve months, and it's. FriendsFargoMoorhead.org. Yeah. What if you want people to email you? What's your email? So it's B as in Bethany Wall W A L L at FriendsFargoMoorhead.org. You're. <clears throat> You're in need of more mentors. Your list of kids that could be in the program is that sitting at 66, you have 66 in. Mm -hmm. the, the things like 12 plus club goes in large part to paying the professional mentors, mm -hmm. which are on the they're on the job 12 months a year, just like any other full-time job. Yeah. So you have a significant need for people to not just volunteer to be involved to help, but you need a significant financial, not you have to crack because um, you have full-time people to buy it. We do. And I, I didn't mention this before, but, you know, from a financial perspective, every dollar that's donated to Friends of the Children, from a conservative perspective, gives back $7 to the community. And the way we do this is juvenile justice costs money, homelessness costs money, foster care costs money. And so, you know, if you take a look at that, um, you know, in this area, foster care costs about $40,000 a year. And so um, if you take just one of those um, mentors, essentially, you can you can save the community those dollars. You can save the tax dollars. Each child that goes through the program saves the, the community you're in $900,000 just by going through Friends of the Children. So it's it truly is community reinvestment by committing to people and the youth of our community. Are there, are there kids that for one reason or another, can't be part of the program because there might be something going on that friends can't really address, or is it arms wide open? If we have if we have the opening, we have the funding, we're going to put you in our system. We're going to put you Absolutely. in our program. If you're a fit and you'll be in the program, and our, our motto is no matter what. There's nothing a child can do to 
not have a friend or not get this program. I can't wait to have a follow-up. I, I can't wait to do a podcast in eight years. Yeah, with me you too. And with some of the kids that have started in the program four years ago, coming up on five, because they will then be in, they'll be graduating. I can't yeah. wait to, to hear those stories. I can't wait to see how their lives have been changed. I can't wait to see how the lives of the mentors have been played and changed. The people in the organization at Friends, the family members of the kids. This is a big deal. This is this is this is maybe one of the greatest organizations I've heard of, and it's just so new to me. But this is <laughs> oh, awesome. I love that. That's how I felt too, Mike. That's why I'm a part of it. I love it. Man, oh man, this is just this is God's work right here, changing changing the life of a young one and their family member because of no fault of their own and uh, the ugliness of generational poverty, breaking that. Just What else do we need to know, Bethany? I could ramble on and <laughs> go on a political stump there, but I'm not going to. What else, what else do we need to know, know and how can, how can we best help you? You know, I would just say keep us in mind for Giving Hearts Day coming up. Um, it's a wonderful collaborative thing that, you know, everybody is doing in the community. Um, and if there's questions, ask. I, um, My phone number and my email address all on our website. So um, I'm an open door and always happy to um, get people involved with their organization. And if, by the way... You're that person that has the lake home because there's a couple of people I'm going to call. I'm going to call them today, by the way. Um, if you're not on that list because I don't know you, but you want to help, get a hold of Bethany. That would be a wonderful opportunity for someone that might not get it unless you make it available to them. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way that works. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for what you're doing. What a What a great organization. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the progress of you and the organization and these kids and how that makes a difference in the lives of so many you're doing, you're a rock star. You and your, your team are absolute rock stars. Just love what you're doing. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you having me on here today. We'll find a way to get you to the lake too. Sounds great. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, Bethany. See you.